Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover personal journeys behind their work, explore options from indie to traditional publishing, and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. I'm your host, Katherine Taylor. And Let's Get Writing is all about the writing process from creation to publication. Here is where we share the stories behind the stories, and I'm sure you'll enjoy this today in particular. Um, please subscribe to my YouTube channel at Katherine Taylor TV. We'll keep you informed of all our new episodes and um, we'll hopefully bring you so much great content you'll want to subscribe and share the love. My guest this week is a writer and retired educator who has taught in various communities throughout Newfoundland and Labrador. And of course, this is where I am in central Newfoundland and he's coming to me from Harbor Grace, which is in another part of the province. He has 11 books, and we're going to be talking about his writing career in general, but his most recent work, uh, The Body on the Beach, is a novel inspired by true events surrounding a woman by the name of Alice Williams, who died under mysterious and suspicious circumstances. And the cause of her death was never revealed. I'm not going to reveal too much more. I'm going to bring my guest up and welcome Patrick Collins to Let's Get Writing. And join me now, Patrick. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Good. Thank, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, you know, and we've had some wonderful conversations leading up to this show, and uh, which was why I mentioned to people that I think you're, they're going to really enjoy, because not only are you a wonderful writer, you're a great storyteller and conversationalist. Um, you've had a lot to share with me up to now. Patrick, um, I wanted to begin by finding out where all this began with you. How, how did you, you have 11 books and um, how did that start? Well, it's interesting, Catherine, as we discussed before we went live here, um, my wife and I were trapped. I had retired in 04, which is a long time ago. I've been working at different things since, like tour boating and that kind of thing. But officially from education as a teacher, I retired in 04, went to England as a, on vacation with my wife and uh, went into this one store, a bookstore, and we I picked a book off the shelf. It's about a doctor in in the village, their local village. And we're in Canterbury at the time, I think. And uh, this book was about a doctor. And I said to, I said to Shirley, I said, look, my goodness, we have our own doctor in Harold Grace. Uh, he had passed away in, in the 60s. But everybody knew him. He was a legend. I said, there's been nothing written about this guy. Somebody, some, there's something of merit in his life to put it on paper. So came back and I... I started writing some books. I just sat down one night to a computer, and, and uh, I'm not a typist by any means. I, I handpicked the I handpicked the uh, keyboard, so I struggled with all that. But uh, you know, I had to learn about Word and, and copy and pasting all the stuff I should have learned in my career, which I didn't quite get a handle on. All of a sudden, it became practical. So I actually 
uh, forged a few chapters on this doctor who, who I was indebted to personally. And uh, he did some great things for our own family. So I called the family of Dr. Kron. He, he had uh, one child and several grandchildren. I said, look, I got this, I got these few thoughts about Dr. Kron. And I think I'd like to publish it if I could get it done. So called the family. They said, yeah, fine. But we want to approve it. I said, okay, let's call it a, let's call it a, an approved autobiographical, autobiographical, uh, sorry, a biographical book. And they said, yes, okay, we, we, we'll go along with that. They read it too, and they liked it. And so I put it together, sent it off to, I don't know, 15 publishers or something. And all, all rejected, of course, because who wants to read about a doctor in a small town like Harbor Grace a half a century ago, right? Think of it. It wasn't marketable. So it, I really was pleased. I, I bought about 500 copies. The book had it published. I must have been very ambitious. But I thought I'd have enough for a couple of years, you know. Within three weeks, the 500 copies just disappeared. I had two settings at the mall here. And my house was just like Central Park. People coming and getting the book, right? Well, I was totally pickled with that. Yeah, very pleased with that. And uh, so it went from there. So uh, it was a great experience. I ordered another few hundred copies of Cron and Dr. Cron, A Man Who Cured Our Hearts, is the official title. And it's sold out now. And I've had like literally uh, hundreds of calls, not hundreds, but dozens of calls looking for copies of that book now. So it's out of print. It's the only one that I have done. That's out of print. I'm going to reprint it, I think, later on this winter. So stay tuned for some copies of that. I hate to read it now because my writing was, well, it wasn't that great back then. But it, but it, I really appreciate the book, though. It was just getting yeah. me as crowded out. Anyway, so it just took off locally. So I, I didn't. I, I, a publisher heard about my work with uh, with uh, with Cron, and uh, they called. They called and. And they said, you know, is there anything else you have? I said, yes, I have another book. And we agreed that I would do another book. And uh, this time they said they would publish it. But they wanted to have some on-front money to uh, make sure that they got their piece out of it. So I agreed to that. And we agreed. It was kind of vanity publishing in a way. Just imagine paying a publisher to publish your work. Well, that's like self-publishing. Except this time you had all the all the acrimonts of of the publishing world. You had some marketing, you had some distribution, so on. And that gave me an in. And that book did very well. It's called Harbor Grace Frey. Did really well. And so it went from there. So in this town of Harbor Grace, um, has a great history, particularly between the years, well, between the years of 1700 and up until now, Harbor Grace is culturally, you know, loaded with heritage and and history and stories. So many things have happened here that are significant to, to the population of Newfoundland. And uh, it's involved in so many different things. So um, I had a tour boat for years called the Grayson Boat Tours. And my business partner and I studied uh, quite a bit over a number of days and weeks as to what we, our boat was designed to go out to harbor and our harbor is three and a half miles long. So you can actually look at the harbor and point out as you go along several different places that are of significance. And in each, each of these places, there are people that are tied to these places and stories about them. So we researched them. So I researched the stories of Gibbet Hill, for example, and the famous murders that took place there. And then you got a book called The, the Gibbet Hill. Then I researched the story of the Harbor Grace of Frey, 
which was a, a riot has ha- a riot happened here between Catholics and the Orangemen when they tried to march through my town of Riverhead, the Catholic quarter of Riverhead. And just like with the troubles in Ireland, we put up a fight. I say we, but my great great grandparents did. And sadly, five people died. But I built a love story around that true event. Um, and that book really did well. And I, the Kyle, the Harbour Grace, the, the spirit of the, the, the Kyle, the SS Kyle, is sitting here in our harbour. There have been more pictures taken of that in the last 50 years than you can think of. So I researched that book and that story. So many true stories about that. So I took a character who went to England and got involved with a murder and jumped shipped on the Kyle to come back. He stayed with the Kyle. And of course, he witnessed all these true stories. So I used that character. So it went on from there. So there, Catherine, there's so many stories about Harbour Grace over the years. Now, if you think of 1830s, mm-hmm. 1930s, that would be my era for storytelling in the sense of the things that happened. So all my research over the years, my reading on the history of Harbour Grace have been located in that in that time block. Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting because I, as you're telling and talking about the different books, and I have the, the list of them here in front of me, uh, I'm going, okay, this is Harbor Grace, Newfoundland, and Labrador. This is a fairly small community, I think, more robust, and I don't know, more robust, but it was a larger community back in the day, probably, than it is now. Would it be correct to say that? Absolutely. I mean, Harbor Grace back in the 1860s, 1870s, had 11,000 people, second only to St. John's. Mm-hmm. It was the center of, of the seal fishery, the seal hunt. There were no less than maybe 70 or 80 sealing boats that left here to go to the front and bought back like seven and 8,000 seals themselves. Then that narrowed down, of course, as the years progressed. But then they discovered the, uh, the seal oil was so important to the European industry they it burned almost in a translucent way it did, didn't give off much by way of soot for example so that became a really big commodity you know oil and then cod oil became a health commodity so the mon family they were huge here i mean john mon if he were alive today he would be equivalent to our danny williams in terms of wealth and and and, and so on so and then we had thomas ridley who and all of these guys involved themselves into into politics, they ran, they, they, you know, they, they were appointed as le- to legislatures, to the legislature. Uh, so they were very wealthy. There are states, many of their states still sit in Harbor Grace. Um, and then we had innovation coming here, like with the railway. The first railway came into Harbor Grace in 1884, the Harbor Grace Railway. Mm-hmm. And then we had the Harbor Grace Water Company. Just imagine. It was mean, in place. <laughs> unbelievable. You know, so it just went on. So, I mean... Yeah. The kinds of things that happened, a very progressive town. And uh, so it, 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 and then you had an influx of people coming. So Harbor Grace, I don't mean to be to hog the uh, Harbor Grace wasn't the only place. Of course, you had Carabineer next door. Hey, Grand Falls, Windsor, where, where I was hatched. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that, that had Lord Rothmere, Lord Northcliffe. It had the, the English connection, too, with the paper mills. So it was unique about Newfoundland when you think back at the, those yeah. Times when I, I, it it was very progressive in in some ways. Like it was, and then it was a stopover once the the flying ships got going, and mm-hmm. it was 
pretty incredible province. I almost wish I was back in that time. Just to, and I'm sure you did because you, you're just mining it for material. You think Amelia Earhart, for example. Yeah. So, yeah. So I take then true stories and I embed that story in a wider fictional story. So if you take the murder of Elfrida Pike, a young lady who was murdered here back in, in, uh, in 1870, she was murdered and uh, sadly it took 50 years to, to solve her, her murder. So it was a whole unit set up to come in to Harbor Grace. The constabulary sent four or five officers to concentrate on that. The boyfriend got blamed. He jumped ship and ran to York or New York, rather. He ran to New York. And of course, in my book, I trace his life coming back to Newfoundland. Um, so all the, all the uh, people had accepted the fact that this man had, this, this guy, young fellow, Thomas Pike, had murdered Elfrida. And uh, so we saw the struggles that family went through. And they never found out until 50 years later who did this crime. And the true story is the guy who committed this crime was a cop who was investigating the murder. So I took that true story and I embedded it into a wider story. So I think, I think that has such, a, such an attraction for me to write those stories. Well, Patrick, in writing those stories, I mean, what's your, what's your leeway there between the fiction and the truth? And how do you, you know, how do you stay true to the story and insert your facts and things that make a book a book? Tell me more. Okay. So for, first of all, for the reader to be able to discern between truth and fact, just not going to happen. I just want to entertain people. So if they read a story and they see, my God, is this true? Well, the only way for them to find out is to write me and ask me, basically. But I'm kind of like, I kind of model my writing. I don't know. I hope that Wayne Johnson isn't listening because if he's listening to this, I'm in big trouble. But I try to, I try to use him as a mentor, to, to, uh, as a model, to write my books. So you think of the uh, Unrequited Dreams or the, the mm -hmm. Colony of Avalon, those kinds of books. They're written as if they're history, right? Joey mm -hmm. Smallwood walking across Newfoundland, things like, you know, dating, uh, fielding and things of that nature. I mean, that never happens in that sense, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe I think uh, Johnson said, if it's a kernel of truth in what I write, it's about it. So any given book that I write, there will be truth in it, but it may be small, it may be big. But what I like doing is expounding on, on the story. So in order to get, like, if you, I don't know about you, but the Titanic was never something for me that I was really enthused with. I was amazed at the size of it. I was always interested in the story, but not to the extent that I was. So when the, and nobody very much really, there weren't great populations of people going out to read about the Titanic, I don't think. But when the movie came out, which was a fictional story based on a real story, it, it just exploded. All of a sudden, people were diving down to the ocean to see the Titanic and relics in the Titanic became important. So I think this is an example of where we can take history use it as an entertainment piece. That way then you can get people to go back and look at the actual history to find out, but you can create a great piece of art. Yeah, so. you can. <laughs> and speaking of which, I want to bring you around to The Body on the Beach, your most recent book. And I, I have to say, I, I, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it because you had all the elements that I like, some romance, some mystery, and 
flawed characters and all the good stuff was it was in there plus you 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 kept me guessing um so tell us a little bit about this book and um how this came about because i i heard you say one time you have a purpose to write a really good story that's your purpose you 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 write for love and we're in the month of february so it's all about love this month <laughs> and that that can be very dangerous what's <laughs> that no, I do. I, I mean, you know, I got to say one thing before we begin on this book is I have to thank Flanker Press. I've never worked. I mean, they are fantastic. Um, you know, they made this book such such an ease for me. I had a, I had the manuscript written. I picked up the phone and called Jerry and Jerry Cranford. And he never even batted an eye. He sent it in to have a look. And within three or four days, he got back and said, yeah, we're going to go with this. He said, like, let's let's polish it. And and, you know, I worked with them to, to bring it to life. And then I had a couple of really good readers that I knew personally that read it. They had some really good points. So thank God they got it this far. But Catherine, I, I uh, this story here uh, grew out of uh, a smaller story, but bigger in my mind. Uh, I always have this thing about the marginalized people. I, my heart was out to them. And... Um, Back in, in uh, two, 19, 1902, was a young woman here found on the beach in Harbor Grace. Her name was Alice Williams. And sadly, she was uh, found uh, floating under a pier. And uh, it, it was a sad time because uh, in the paper, I noticed, I go to all papers, by the way, the mm -hmm. Harbor Grace Standard, the Daily News, the Telegram. I look at history in those papers to find stories because I like, enjoy reading those. And I found this piece that a, that a, uh, that a, that a man from Harbor Grace, Mr. Uh, Mr. Williams wrote, Stephen, he wrote and he asked the paper for a place to put his daughter's uh, autopsy in because he wanted to dispel rumors about his daughter's death. So I said, that's strange. So I went looking for how his daughter died. And I found out she had died from drowning. I read his piece and it said that she had died of, a blow to the head, a die from trauma. So I went and looked for another piece, and I found an earlier story where it showed that who found her and why. And, and then I went to the church records in Harbor Grace, and I discovered in St. Paul's, St. Paul's Church, that the, uh, 10 years before her death, she had a child, and uh, this child died, and it was outside of marriage. And back then, in uh, in in uh, in nineteen in eighteen ninety two, if you had a child outside of marriage and you came from a very puritanical family, yeah. then and you're you know being a woman and 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 the father would not come in, in the records. It said that Norman, that's the child, had no no known father. The father wouldn't come forward. They couldn't put a name down. So you can imagine what a fifteen year old would have gone through in eight in in eighteen ninety two having had a child in another large family herself and then losing that baby. And then afterwards, after that, um, she ended up with several different partners. And uh, of course, in the paper, in the news report, here's what the reporter said. She was known to the community. And what do you think that means now? She was known to the community. The woman who was like her age, early 20s, is known to the community. You know what that means, right? Mm, yeah, so I, could, I could never find out why she died. I knew that. I know that she went to the police that day. I know that two men saw her a half an hour before they died. They weren't even brought back for the inquiry. 
uh, the, the policeman did not give any information. The, her boyfriend's mother came with her to the police that earlier that day. There was no evidence given as to why he did that. So the whole business was almost like she, her death was dismissed. Yes. And that stuck with me. So this book, Body on the Beach, is a fictional account of that, of that, of that woman who was marginalized. So I wanted to write a book, a story, where a woman was marginalized, mm-hmm. felt so that way in society back in 1927. And I wanted it to be solved or found, I wanted it to be investigated by a cop who was flawed. He wasn't this super cop. He was a very flawed character. So I created a, another woman that would he would have a relationship with where they both would work together. She a journalist and him uh, a cop. So that's what how, that's how the story unfolded. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was it was quite nice. And she herself had a very interesting story as well. We can't give all this away because, of course, people need to read the story too. To- well, I, know, I, I know my publisher is probably watching now and they're cringing because I'm talking about some of the elements of the story. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll keep you under control. <laughs> Good job. I'll help you if you go too far. Right. We don't want to ruin anything for Jerry and the gang out, out there at Flanker. Um, oh, my goodness. But the enthusiasm you have for your mm-hmm. your writing and, and these elements of bringing the history forward is so evident. And your your passion for it. So where did that come from, you think, Patrick? You were an educator your whole life. And, um, you know, and then you retire and all of a sudden it's it's bang into writing books. So was it always in you or what inspired you? Well, I got to say my career, with my tour boat career, we owned a boat, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. We bought a ship here and a boat. Ship is the wrong word. It was a 32-foot ship, boat, and uh, we created a business called Grace and Boat Tours. And for that, we had to go to research the stories. And, of course, when I was a tour guide one day and my partner, you know, drove the boat, and then the next day he would drive the boat and uh, I would do the interpretation and so on and so forth. So we switched. And what I found, I hated driving, the, I, hate, I hated sailing the boat myself. And I really enjoyed capturing the people with my stories, our stories, the Harvard Grace stories. And I said, my goodness. So I think that caught me up. That, that really caused me to catch on to the idea of storytelling. And of course, writing is, I think, it's just another fashion of, of storytelling. Um, and add to that too, I, I love drama and I've always been involved with the arts. And you and I had a conversation earlier when you were involved with theater arts in school. Well, I was a theater arts coordinator for, for, for our school board. And every year I had so much fun with high school kids that acted out plays. So I really enjoyed drama and, and acting. I, I'm not much of an actor myself, but I do act from time to time with our local museum here. I lead the haunted hikes and things like that. So I'm a real ham when it comes to that stuff. So that whole business of drama, of, of storytelling, I think really caught, up, caught me up into the whole business of writing. And then combine that then with my interest with the heritage, because I think your viewers might know that I'm chair of the Conception Bay Museum. And uh, in that role for the last 12 years, at six of being chair, I've just gotten right into the whole business of, uh, whole business of doing uh, tours, walking tours of Harbor Grace. I do tours of my books, Murder at Mosquito Cove. I walk down to the rock where they found this girl with a blood pool 
on the rock from where she was laid there. And I take him off to the gibbet hill on the mountain where they hung Peter Downing. And I take him down to the Harbury's courthouse where he's buried. And in our hikes, we have actors coming out of houses where these, these characters were. So in our hikes, we take really good characters, important characters of Harbour Grace. So there's nothing at all to see Captain John Keating coming oh. out of the RC graveyard. So those are characters in my books, right? So how would you not want to uh, write down and tell this stuff at least? You know? Absolutely. I, you know, listen, you just helped me put Harbour Grace on my schedule. <laughs> so oh. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear these shows on the road and see the writers in their environment. So I think you just made the list, Patrick. <laughs> Good. I, listen, before you come, give me a call. I'll show you around. Oh, I will definitely uh, give you a call, and you'll be one of my stories outside the studio. I can't wait to do it. So what a what a great idea. Okay, well, that's gonna I'm going to hold you to it. That's going to be, a, yeah. gonna be a, a date this summer. Um, Patrick, I want to share a few things with people because they may want to reach out to you. Actually, I have your, your email here and, uh, PJ Collins at eastlink.ca. And you are also very active. I did have your Facebook up. Um, they can track you down. That's, that's almost more active than your, your, well, Facebook's so great for being interactive. That's a good place for people to learn about what you're doing, I would say. I think so. Yes, for sure. And we've got your Instagram here. Mm -hmm. And you're also active on Twitter. I know these are going up kind of fast, but I think once people know you and if they're on these platforms, they'll track you down. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, there's always the old way. I'm in the phone book. <laughs> no one thinks of that anymore. <laughs> Right. Honestly, I don't. I don't even think of that. That's so funny that you should say that. Well, yeah. we're just we're we're just coming up to being um, out of time, Patrick. So um, we have a little minute or so. Anything you else you'd like to share um, about your writing or what? What's I know? I my turn. What's coming up? What's in the works? <laughs> well, my next book is uh, about two two uh, bodies that are again found at the bottom of a cliff and uh, one guy is a teacher he's been teaching here for oh 25 years in bristles hope was once called mosquito cove and he had been uh, there's a superficial wound to his neck and a few feet away is another body of another young man much younger and he in in, in the school teacher's hand there's a woman's shawl that he had grasped all the way down and the, the, it, it's about that. How did these two bodies end up here at the foot of a, a mountain or called Lover's Leap? And uh, so that's what it's about. It, 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 then you, I take you on a journey. Uh, the writer, uh, the character, takes you on a journey of uh, exactly how or why these bodies ended up here. And uh, that's, that's how it works. So yeah. It, yeah. Interesting. I've thrown the cover up here so people can see. Um, right the cover on the current one. And I love that cover, by the way. It really, when it arrived, I was just like, this is very intriguing. Um, and so we'll be looking for the next the next mystery book coming up. I, I just want to thank you so much. I feel I could talk to you for a long, long time. And we're going to jump on to Instagram and uh, continue this conversation. 
But I want to thank you so much for your time and uh, the conversation. Well, thank you. And I really appreciate this opportunity. Wonderful. And folks, thank you so much for joining us again. All the shows are carried on my YouTube channel at Katherine Taylor TV. So please subscribe and uh, we'll keep you entertained. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at katherinetaylor.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. And if you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.